Good morning, happy Thursday, January 28th, and welcome to Every Day's a Holiday, a daily podcast calendar giving you a reason to celebrate every day of the year. Today's holiday is International Lego Day. International Lego Day is held on the very same day that Danish carpenter Gottfried Kirk Christiansen first submitted his patent for the original Lego brick on January 28, 1958. Christiansen's toy brick had a sophisticated interlocking block system, making it strong, versatile, and less likely to fall apart when knocked over. Not only did Christiansen patent the design for his single Lego brick, he also patented the concept of multiple bricks being used together in a building system, and this protected his design from being ripped off by his competitors. Christensen's company, The Lego Group, was officially founded on August 10, 1932, in Belund, Denmark, creating a variety of wooden toys, and creating the name Lego by combining the Danish words leg and goat, which translate to play well. Lego was one of the first toy manufacturing companies to buy an injection molding machine to create plastic toys, which led them to create the very first plastic Lego brick in 1949. Lego is now recognized as the world's most powerful brand, towering over Google, Nike, and Ferrari, claiming the top spot in 2017. But, as with most gigantic companies, LEGO started from humble origins, and International LEGO Day celebrates the beginning of it all. Potentially useless LEGO fun fact alert! LEGO bricks on Earth are estimated to outnumber humans 80 to 1. But if they ever become sentient and try to kill us, I'm pretty sure I could take out at least 80 bricks, no problem. So there's no need to worry about that. Also, the headquarters of the Lego company is stationed in Belund, Denmark, in a building called the Lego House, home of the brick. The home of the brick is a 12,000 square meter, nearly 130,000 square foot building filled with 25 million Lego bricks. And from the outside, the building is literally built to resemble a stack of 21 giant Lego blocks. I love Lego. I wish I had more LEGO sets, and I wish I had more time to build LEGO sets, but so far I've mostly just built Star Wars droid and spaceship sets, and someday it is my dream to construct the $800 Millennium Falcon set that takes up basically an entire living room. One day. One day. Happy International LEGO Day, you guys! Now, let's take a look back through the years to see what happened on this day in history. On this day 35 years ago, the U.S. Space Shuttle Challenger exploded just after takeoff, killing all seven of its crew members on board. Yeah, today's This Day in History is a sad one, but this tragic event in history has served as an important lesson for future engineers of all kinds, not just aerospace engineers. While studying mechanical engineering in college, I had to take an entire course focusing on engineering ethics, and learning about the Challenger explosion took up about three of the ten weeks of that course. I'll try to condense all of the knowledge that I gained in just the next few minutes. So basically, the events of the Challenger explosion come down to this. To build a massive rocket that burns solid fuel, you have to construct a big metal tube consisting of multiple cylindrical segments. And when combusting fuel, it puts a lot of pressure on the inside of that tube. And then the joints between those cylindrical segments is where it is most likely to break from the pressure. 
The segments are constructed with a slot for the next segment to fit into, similar to a cylindrical Lego brick, perhaps, but the space where they meet needs to be properly sealed to avoid any fuel from bursting out at the seams. The solution the engineers used was a series of rubber rings inside the joint to serve as a gasket and seal up the connection between the two parts. Add a layer of heat-resistant putty to protect the rings from explosively hot gas, and you're good to go, right? Well, the thing about rubber is that if it gets too cold, it tends to be more hard and brittle than needed to effectively create a seal. And in the early morning of January 28th, 1986, it had gotten as cold as negative 7 degrees Celsius, only about 19.4 degrees Fahrenheit, which was 15 degrees colder than any previous space shuttle launch. The Challenger Space Shuttle launched from the Kennedy Space Center's launch pad 38B at 11.38 a.m. In less than a second after the launch, a large puff of grayish-black smoke emerged from the back joint of the right solid rocket booster, indicating that it was not completely sealed. By nearly four seconds, the smoke had dissipated and was no longer exiting the booster. The next 55 seconds of launch passed as expected, but 59 seconds into the launch, a plume of smoke once again emerged from the same joint, and telemetry data received by command indicated that a pressure drop had occurred in the right booster. At 65 seconds, a burn-through plume penetrated the external fuel tank, which began to lose a lot of pressure. At 72.2 seconds, the lower strut attaching the right booster to the external tank was torn loose, causing the booster to move erratically. By 72.6 seconds, liquid hydrogen pressure could not be maintained. 73.14 seconds, both the liquid hydrogen and liquid oxygen tanks experienced structural failures, causing fuel and vapor to stream along the outside of the tank. 73.19 seconds, a bright flash was seen between the external tank and the shuttle itself, and 73.213 seconds after the launch had began, the entire vehicle broke apart. The seven crew members on board likely all lost consciousness due to loss of cabin pressure, and then died due to oxygen deficiency shortly after the initial explosion. Those who died on board the vehicle include Teacher in Space, Krista McAuliffe, Astronauts Gregory Jarvis, Judith Resnick, Ronald McNair, Ellison Onizuka, Mission Commander Dick Scobie, and pilot Mike Smith. The disaster sparked a series of intense investigations and led to a lot of shady data redaction by chief engineers involved in the construction of the shuttle, because there were a number of occasions prior to the launch day that had indicated that launching the shuttle in low temperature could result in a catastrophic failure of the rubber O-rings. People lost their jobs, and rightfully so. Others did not, but the Challenger disaster has led to far more stringent protocol and higher scrutiny in all engineering fields. My entire engineering ethics class was to emphasize the importance of ensuring safety by a factor of 10 or more, because Murphy's Law is the unwanted brother of all engineers. If something can go wrong, it most certainly will. The Challenger explosion was an extremely unfortunate event that led to seven deaths, but the silver lining is that their loss will likely prevent many future catastrophes. So once again, thank you for your service, Krista McAuliffe, Gregory Jarvis, Judith Resnick, Ronald McNair, Ellison Onizuka, Dick Scobie, and Mike Smith. Now it's time to commemorate the births and deaths of famous or infamous individuals in our next segment, 
Life and Legacy. Today, we celebrate the 53rd birthday of Sarah McLaughlin. In the arms of the angel. Yeah, you know her. Sarah Ann McLaughlin was born on January 28, 1968, in Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada, and she was immediately put up for adoption at birth. She was placed with Doris and Jack McLaughlin as an infant, and the couple legally adopted her not long after. Doris and Jack adopted all three of their children, Sarah and her two brothers, Ian and Stuart. Sarah grew up to become a singer and songwriter known best for her emotional ballads and mezzo-soprano vocal range. As of 2015, she had sold over 40 million albums worldwide. In 2007, the infamous ASPCA commercial featuring McLaughlin and her song Angel first aired, managing to raise $30 million for the American Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals in the first two years after its release. I don't know what Sarah McLaughlin is up to now, but I'm assuming she's doing alright up in Nova Scotia with her family, so happy birthday, Sarah! Today is also the death day anniversary of both Charlemagne, King of the Franks, and King Henry VIII of England. There's plenty to say about each of them that I don't really have the time to get into, but the important thing is that they were both kings, they were both pretty ruthless, and they both died on January 28th. And, fun fact, Charlemagne was the 22nd great-grandfather of Henry VIII, because you know how the old royalty do? They kept it in the family. Charlemagne died on January 28, 1814, despite being in relatively good health until his final four years of life, when he began to suffer from frequent fevers and acquired a limp. French scholar and biographer Einhard noted that, quote, He followed his own counsel rather than the advice of his doctors, whom he very nearly hated, because they advised him to give up roasted meat, which he loved, and to restrict himself to boiled meat instead. Guy really liked his meat. And Henry VIII died 733 years later on January 28, 1547, from natural causes. But his health had declined greatly from his obesity and an ulcer from a leg wound he'd received in a jousting accident. And that's that. I mostly thought it was interesting that two famous European kings died on the same day, and that they were directly blood-related. Which I now realize shouldn't have been all that surprising to me. Lastly, let's find out what listeners like you are celebrating today in our final segment, Listener Celebrations. Today, Logan and Kate, the Keith, are celebrating their 15th wedding anniversary. Congratulations, you guys! Logan and Kate are the former owners of the Spicy Club merch company and are now the merchandise sorcerers of the Time Suck, Scared to Death, and Is We Dumb podcasts, all under Bad Magic Productions. Logan is an incredible artist, and Kate kills it with the merchandise management and keeping up with her podcast community. Happy 15th anniversary to you two, and hail Nimrod! Thank you for sharing your celebrations with us, and if you are celebrating anything, like a birthday, an anniversary, or any special occasion, please shoot me a message at everydaysaholidaypod on Instagram. I'd also like to remind everyone that January is Slavery and Human Trafficking Prevention Month. This month, I have pledged $50 to Agape International Missions to do my minuscule part in helping to prevent human trafficking in Cambodia. If you're interested in contributing as well, go to aimfree.org, that's A-I-M-F-R-E-E dot org, to donate. 
And if you want more information about Agape International Missions, go back and listen to the January Monthly Mention episode of this podcast. Thank you for joining me in today's celebrations. Special thanks to AJ Curtin for composing the music for Every Day's a Holiday. If you'd like to support the show, please rate and review Every Day's a Holiday on Apple or Google Podcasts, or pass it along to a friend. And tune in tomorrow morning to see what there is to celebrate on January 29th. Enjoy today, and catch you tomorrow.